So do you struggle with doubt? Did you know that most people struggle with doubt? Did you know that most people experience a season of doubt, that that's very common? Did you know that you are not alone if you have doubts? I want you to see this quote from a uh, George Barna study in Faith and Christianity. It was done on doubt. It says this, two out of every three Christians experience a season of doubt. And more than a quarter of Christ followers are still finding themselves doubting right now. That means if we go by this, this statistic that one out of every four people in this room are doubting in their faith right now. It's probably safe to assume that we have close to 100 people in the room right now. That would mean that, that about 25 of you in this room are right now in a season of doubt. You are right now experiencing doubts. I want you to look at what else this quote says in the same study from this George Barna study. It says, it's more common, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got all of a sudden drainage right when it's time to get up and speak wouldn't you know that would happen it's more common than you think most christians have at some point experienced a time of spiritual doubt when they have questioned what they believed about their religion or god but many make it through stronger for having faced their honest questions especially when they have a community to guide them through it the comforting reality is that questioning what you believe about religion or God is commonplace for most American adults who self-identify as Christians. But the study goes on to say that the most common response to doubt was that 46% of them quit attending church altogether. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that 46% of those people that experience doubt, Christians, people in church, they quit going to church and they give up on God altogether. So I'm here today to talk to you about we need a game plan for when a crisis of faith hits us because the enemy wants us to quit. The enemy wants us to give up on God. When, when you and I can't answer the tough questions, when we can't answer the why and you know that happens when you're in a crisis of faith. The first thing that we do is, why, God, did you let this happen? And the solution for 46% of those of, of the quarter of the Christians that are facing doubt is to just walk away altogether. So we need a game plan because I'm here to tell you that a crisis of faith will come. God never promised that Christianity would be easy it's simple, and that you would go through life free of pain, trials, and tribulations. As a matter of fact, in the book of James, he said, Count it all joy that you encounter trials and tribulations, for it works for perfection in you. In other words, it's going to come. He never promised that Christianity would be rosy and easy. As a matter of fact, it's harder to be a Christian than it is not to be. It's harder to live a life of a believer than it is an unbeliever because the minute that you choose Christ, the minute that you decide to follow Jesus Christ, every devil in hell is going to come after you because he wants to steal you, uh, rob you of your faith, and he doesn't want you to believe. So they're going to come. You will have a crisis of faith. These moments are going to happen to us. We will have problems in life. So what do we do when, when doubt, when we're tempted to doubt, when a season of doubt, when that dry spell that you walk through, what do you do when that comes and it happens to you? <clears throat> Before I get into how do I face my doubt and how do I deal with it, I have three points that I'll give you today about that. First, I want to point out that there were some biblical heroes that experienced doubt. I figured, you know what? <clears throat> we're so hard on ourselves. Sometimes we're the worst critics that we have. Sometimes we judge ourselves so harshly. So I wanted to show you some biblical heroes in the Bible that they encountered doubt. So first I want to talk about the disciples. 
Just let me, let me share with you that these dudes, they followed Jesus personally. Everywhere that he went, they were taught by the man themselves. They walked side by side. How many of you have been taught by Jesus, like personally, physically, in the flesh? Nope, you haven't because you know, he's, he's been gone for 2,000 years. None of us in this room can say we experience being taught by the master teacher, fully God, yet fully human, in the flesh himself. None of us can say that that's happened to us. They were taught directly by him. They were, they, they, they were spiritual giants, but they experienced doubt. In Matthew 10, I want you to see that Jesus personally gave them authority to cast out spirits, evil spirits, cast out devils. And he gave them the personal, he gave them authority to um, heal every kind of sickness and disease. Every kind. And they did it. They actually went out and cast out demons and they healed every kind of sickness and disease. They actually did it. How, how many of you in this room have, you can say, I've, I've cast out demons and I've healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Can you say you've done that? How many? How many of us can say? I mean, we Dallas and the pastor and I, we've we've in, we both have prayed for people and had seen and cast demons out before, and and we both have had some encounters encounters where we've laid hands on people and they've been healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't him or I, but I can't say that I have cast out every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. I have never laid hands on a lame man and he got up and walked. I've never laid hands on someone who was blind and their eyes were opened. Which leads me to the next thing. They actually witnessed Jesus heal a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. They saw it with their own eyes. They watched it happen. Then they witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They actually witnessed Jesus take five loaves and two small fish, and he lifted it up to heaven, he blessed it, and he broke it. And check this out. He took it, and he put it in their hands after he gave each of his disciples, he broke and he gave them some, and the miracle of multiplication happened out of their own hands. They went out, and as they broke it, and they gave somebody something, and they said, here, here's your bread, here's your fish. They looked down, and more appeared. And they went to the next one, and they broke it, and said, here's your fish, here's your bread. And they looked in their hand, and the more they gave out, it just kept multiplying in their hands. How many of you have multiplied and seen food multiply in your hands? Has anybody in this room experienced that? <laughs> yes, you had, a, you had a kitchen where you experienced that, but I, I, I've never had that encounter. The disciples did, and they still doubted. They still doubted. In Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, if you've been in church, if you've gone to Sunday school, you're very familiar with the story that Jesus gave the disciples a word and said, I want you to cross over the sea. We were there. We did it. And I want you to go to the other side. <clears throat> He gave them a distinct word. He gave them a very clear direction. And they got in the boat, they obeyed, and they went to go over to the other side. And what happened in the story? A storm, a great massive storm comes. And all of a sudden, the disciples are terrified for their life. They're scared. They're terrified. And we know the story. Jesus comes walking on the water. We know what happens with Peter, right? And, and, and he gets in the boat, and he, and, he, and he speaks to the storm, and he says, Peace be still. And instantly, the, the, the winds and, and the waves and everything just stops instantly. And the sea goes from being extremely rough to like glass, just like that, in the blink of an eye. And then he turns to them, and he says, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? He must have been thinking, did you, not, did you not remember? It just happened. You just left the multiplication, the miracle coming out of your hands. 
You've cast out demons. You've seen me heal a blind and a mute man. You've watched all these miracles. Why did you doubt? You physically, you saw with your own eyes. You heard with your own ears. You were there. You've been taught by the master yourself. Why did you doubt? Why? I'm going to tell you why. You see, the disciples, they witnessed the miracles happen to everybody else. But when the storm turned personal in their life and they were faced with the crisis of faith, they doubted God. What do I do? I can believe God for your healing and your healing and your miracle and your miracle. But then when it happens to me, I suddenly, I encounter doubt and I can't believe God for me. Have you ever been there? I can believe God for everybody in this room. But you let something happen to me. You let me face a crisis. You let me face some kind of a sickness. And all of a sudden, because it's me, I don't believe. I struggle. I have doubts. Maybe it's because we think we're not worthy enough. I don't know what we think. But for some reason, when the storm turns personal, we doubt God. And I just want to encourage you today that you've never multiplied food from your hands. You haven't healed people of every kind of sickness and disease. So don't feel so bad about yourself when you kind of encounter a crisis of faith and suddenly you question God because the disciples were some spiritual giants. They've encountered and they've witnessed and they've done more miracles out of their own hands than you have ever done. And they still fell to the temptation to doubt God. So don't be so hard on yourself. I want to tell you that it's normal that the devil doesn't want us to believe. We all go through it. So in this church, we're going to talk about it. In this church, we're going to be open about it. We're not going to shame someone for encountering a season of doubt. I'm not going to shame you because you're questioning your faith on God. No, we're going to love you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to walk you through it because it happens to everybody. We're not alone. Let's look at another one. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Excuse me. Let me get a sip of water. So John the Baptist, he prepared the way for Jesus, right? He was a radical preacher of repentance. This dude was another spiritual giant. Look Look what Jesus says about him in Matthew 3, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. He was an evangelist. He was a preacher of righteousness. This dude prepared the way for God Almighty, Jesus Christ himself. Right? Spiritual giant. Here's another one. John the Baptist never knew life without the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says he was baptized with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. How many of us in this room can say that we were baptized in our mother's womb with the Holy Spirit? How many of you have had your whole life you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Anybody been filled with the Holy Spirit in your mama's womb? Not me. You, Pastor? Nope. Nope. Chris? Dwayne? Ryan? Nope. But he did. He was. He never knew life without the filling of the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was filled as an infant in his mother's womb. Here's another one. Jesus said, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Look at Matthew 11, 10 and 11. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus said there's no one greater than John the Baptist. There has never been one greater born of women. All of us in this room have been born of a woman. 
How many of you can say that Jesus said that about you? No? Anybody? No. But yet, he doubted. He doubted. Look at John 1. Point out another. I'm just trying to show you what a spiritual giant these people were. John 1, 32 through 34. He said, then John testified. This is talking about John the Baptist. This is what John the Baptist himself said. He said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Talking about Jesus. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, God told John the Baptist the following quote, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest, the Holy Spirit, is the one who will bap- I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. And then if it's not enough that God told him this is what's going to happen. You're going to go and you're going to, when you, the one that you baptize and you're going to see the Holy Spirit come and descend and rest upon this dude. And that guy, when you do that, that's the one. God spoke to him and told him who the coming Christ, the one was going to be. And then when he goes and he baptizes John the Baptist and he puts him under the water in that Jordan River, we encounter this, this phenomenal experience in the Holy Land, and he comes back up. It actually happened just like God said. The Holy Spirit came down. He saw it with his eyes. He watched the Holy Spirit come down and descend upon his head. He saw that, and it took the Bible, says, in the form of a dove. He saw this, and then the heavens open up, the Bible says, and John the Baptist hears the audible voice of God. And this is what it, the Lord said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How many of you have heard the audible? I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know a couple of people. It's, it happens. It's very rare, but some people do hear the audible. We usually, God speaks to us in our heart. He speaks to us through his word. I can honestly say I've never heard the audible voice of God. I certainly did not have God tell me who the son of God was. And he saw it. He encountered the most incredible spiritual. If we think our baptism in the Jordan River was mighty powerful and it was such a phenomenal experience where you have the presence of God so strong, imagine the Holy Spirit coming out of heaven and manifesting himself on top of you and then the heavens open up and God's voice, thunder, it sounded like thunder and he speaks and everybody hears God confirm, that's my son, right? You've heard the phrase, seeing is believing. If seeing is believing, John the Baptist should believe, shouldn't he? Shouldn't he? Well, let me show you what happened to John the Baptist when, when the storm turned personal in his life. Look at Matthew eleven two 2 through 6. <clears throat> and when John had heard in prison, the storm just got personal. In prison. He's supposed to be called by God. He's been called by God. It's been prophesied that he's going to be the evangelist. He was, he's not out preaching anymore. He's not out declaring the works of God. He's not baptizing anymore. His ministry has come to a complete and total halt because he's in prison. He's in a cell. He's in a pit. We've been there. We've seen prisons. He's in some probably some stoned pit where there's completely dark. And all of a sudden, it's personal in his life. And it says, and when John heard in prison, while he was in prison, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Can I just stop right there and tell you that John the Baptist had a small group? 
He sent two of his disciples. If he was in prison and if there, he sent two, that means that there were more, right? There had to be more disciples. And he sends two of them. They were coming to where he was while he was in a pit, while he couldn't see straight. He couldn't see anything. And they came to him and they were ministering to him in the prison. So he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. And listen to what he says. And said to him, this is what he said. Will you go tell, ask Jesus this? This is what he asked his disciples. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? What? 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 You, you heard the audible voice of God. You saw the Holy Spirit. You saw and you heard with your own eyes this miraculous event. God confirmed to you. Not only did you hear the voice of God once, but twice you heard God confirm, this is the chosen one of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And you have to ask that question? You doubt? Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered to them, that's to the disciples, because John couldn't go and answer because he was in prison. Look at what Jesus responds. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. John couldn't hear anymore because he was in a prison. Have you ever been in one where everywhere you look, you can't see God, you can't see hope, you're discouraged, you're in despair? He couldn't hear God anymore. He was in a dry spell. He couldn't see miracles. He was trapped. He was in bondage everywhere he looked. It was like, God, where are you? Are you still real? Are you still alive? You called me to preach. You called me to minister. You called me to do these things, but now I'm trapped. I can't get out. I'm stuck. I can't move forward. My ministry's not happening. Souls aren't being saved. What has happened? Where are you, God? Is it you? or should I look for another are you really the God did you really speak to me was it really you that said to go was it really you that told me to do this or should I look for another God I'm so lost have you ever been there and listen to what he said you go, disciples, and you tell them what you hear and see. He needed somebody who could hear and see because while he was in a prison, facing prison walls, he couldn't hear and he couldn't see anymore. So he needed his small group to lift him up and say, let me tell you what we see and what we hear. The blind see. And the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf they hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The blessed is he who doesn't say, why did you let this happen to me, God? Blessed is he who doesn't say, God, why? I thought you said, but it didn't happen, so you're not real. Blessed is he who doesn't get offended at me. Wow. Is it you? Are you the one? Or should I, should I look for another? I don't know. I'm being pulled in two different directions. I think it's you. I thought I heard your voice, but my circumstances are screaming at me right now. Is it you or should I look for another? You see, Satan comes to kill and to steal and destroy. We know this because the Bible tells us so. And he's after your faith because of, a Mark, because of Mark 11, 22 through 24. Look at the scripture. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, 
I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Satan doesn't want the church to grasp this passage. He doesn't want us to become mighty warriors of Christ. He doesn't want us to realize that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. And the same greater, he said, greater works will you do than I've done. But why aren't we walking around doing greater works? Because we don't believe that we're, we're battling doubt and Satan is trying to rob us of our faith because he knows if we get the, the grasp, the truth of this scripture and we start to live it, practice it and walk it out, the church will become unstoppable. Today, today, not back 2,000 years ago, it would become unstoppable today. But you see, doubt is being pulled. In two different directions. There was an ancient form of tor- torture where they would take they would take a man and they would tie uh, uh, his his hands and his wrist to a horse that would be going in that direction. And they would take the left side and they would tie his hands and his and his his feet and uh, to a horse on this side of the direction. And they would take and they would slap each horse and make the horses go running in two different directions. And it would dismember and rip them in half and tear them in half. When you study and research doubt, it tells you that's exactly what it's doing. Doubt is pulling you apart. It's destroying your soul. It's whipping you in different directions. So you plant a seed in the morning with your devotional time. And you read the word of God and then the Satan throws fiery darts at you all day long while you're at work and he wears you down and he starts to make you believe that you just wasted all your time in the word. You just wasted all that time. God didn't do it. He didn't come through. He didn't do what he said he would do. Why am I being so attacked? I had this incredible encounter with God this morning and I read my word and it didn't do me any good today. Is it you or should I look for another? You prayed and you believed God for your marriage. You were closer to God than you'd ever been in your life. But he still beat you. That your spouse still cheated on you. Your spouse still left you. And you were praying for your marriage. You were going after God with everything in your heart. Is it you? Or should I look for another? Why did this happen to me, God? Why did you let him beat me, God? Why did you let me go through that? Is it you? Or should I look for another? You know you felt and you experienced the presence of God. You knew it beyond a shadow of doubt. You knew you were healed. You were symptom-free for days, maybe even for weeks. And all of a sudden, those symptoms, they came back with a vengeance. And you're going, what? Was it, was it you? Maybe, maybe it just was a freak incident. It, I really wasn't healed, or should I, should I look for another? Was that you, God? Did I really have that encounter with you? Did I really in- encounter you in the in the baptism? And I came up out of the water, speaking in tongues and praising God, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, I get home, and all hell breaks loose. Was it really you, or should I look for another? Being pulled, pulled, pulled. That's what the devil does to us. That's what he's doing to you. You poured your life. You poured your life into that ministry. You gave your all for that small group. You poured your life into your church. You believed God for souls. You believed God for life change. You know God led you to start that small group, but nobody showed up. You know God called you to move Bridge of Hope Church and put it in a movie theater, but all of a sudden things didn't seem to go so well. People started leaving the church. Was it you? Did you really tell us to do it, God, or should I? 
Should I look for another? I pulled, pulled, pulled. Did you see it? Do you see what doubt does? But I want to tell you today, God sent me here to tell you. And he wants me to tell you, the blind still see. The lame still walk. The lepers are still cleansed. And the deaf still hear. The dead are still raised and the poor still have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who will not get offended because of our Savior and our Lord. Just because you don't feel God's presence. Just because you feel like you're trapped in a prison or the storm is raging in your life. Doesn't mean that God is not moving on your behalf. He's still there. He has not left you. He's still real. It's still true. He's still raising the dead and he's still healing the sick and he's still preaching the good news. So let me tell you something. Don't give up on God. Hang in there. Don't you quit on your small group. Don't you quit coming to church. Don't you quit believing. You keep on trusting and believing him. I promise you, I'm here to tell you today, he's about to speak peace be still in some of your lives. He's about to calm some storms in your life. Breakthrough's coming, people. Breakthrough's coming.